Pastor Ed Taylor reminds us there really is only one God, and our only help comes from Him. When you're in trouble, call upon the name of the Lord. His name is a strong tower, the Bible says. The righteous run into it and are safe. Calling out to false gods, as you see, is not going to help you. Calling out to little deities that you were taught religiously is not going to help you. Praying to someone to pray to God for you is not going to help you. Running to man is not going to help you. Praying to a little statue or offering food to a little statue is not going to help you. This is amazing grace. This is Whether your car has broken down on the side of the freeway or you've just lost a job or you're being falsely accused, be encouraged to call on the name of the Lord when you're in trouble today on Abounding Grace. Calling out to any false God won't help us in the least. That's the great lesson in front of us as we turn to 2 Kings with Pastor Ed Taylor. Here's Ed to introduce our new series. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of 2 Kings. We're in chapter 1. When we began our study back in 1 Kings, the, the kingdom was under the rule of King Solomon, David's son. And it was the strongest under Solomon as the transition from David went to his son. Yet by the time we finished 1 Kings, the kingdom of God is divided into Judah and Israel. And now not being ruled by one king that's godly, is being ruled by two evil and wicked kings. And division always does its work of destruction. Jesus, he taught us, and you can go backwards from his teachings, that a house divided will not stand. And so we know that division will always do its thorough work and bring destruction into anybody or any organization, any relationships where division exists. Division doesn't end in love. Division doesn't end in unity, progress, and growth unless it's repented from. Like, like if we repent from the division and we seek to meet people in the middle at the cross, then it does end in love and it doesn't end in reconciliation. But division left unchecked is going to end disastrously. And that's good to be reminded as we go through the book of Kings and Chronicles. When we go through and finish Kings, Second Kings, and get into Chronicles, it's all about division and the difficulty of division. So as the body of Christ, we have to make that commitment, don't we? To unity. To find the places where we can meet in the middle and not tear a brother down, not talk about a sister behind her back, not accentuate all the things that divide us, but to find the things that unite us. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to walk a worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The idea of endeavoring is to work hard at it, to invest in that. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 in the New Living says, 
always keep yourselves united in the Spirit and bind yourselves together with peace. And so as a church family, we need to guard our unity in the Spirit. In all the disagreements that we might have, all the secondary things that might divide us. You know, think about things that, that divide churches. Uh, what songs are sung, how fast the music should be, Calvinism, Arminianism, on and on. What Bible version do you use? And, you know, what kind of, it, all of that, we need to master in what we agree on, give room and love for disagreements, and move forward and walk together in unity. I was talking to one of the brothers even last night about this very topic. And this is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. Like, this is what we get. He was sharing with me, this is what we get. This is the time in which we were born. This is the time we were living. This is when God wants us. And this is what we get. We weren't born in the first century. And, And I often thought about that. Would I have made it in the first century? I don't know. I don't think so. God didn't have me born in the first century. He had me born now. This is where he wants me to serve. This is the community he wants me to serve in. And this is the body of Christ. These are our brothers and sisters. And, you know, sometimes disagreements make it such where we're we're unable. Like, how can two walk together unless they're agreed? And, And there's just like Paul and Barnabas. There's times where you just have to move on and just keep doing the work of the Lord. But man, may the Lord protect us from division, especially within the body, this little body of Christ this little part of the body. Now, in our study through the part, this part of Israel's history, it's good to be reminded of exactly what we're looking at at this time. Now, this is the, known as the years of the divided kingdom. And in the northern part of Israel, the northern part was known as Israel and was made up of 10 tribes. And, and in that time, we're going to see 19 kings of the northern, of the northern tribes, the northern division, and none of them are good kings. The southern part was made up of two tribes. It was known as Judah. And out of them, there were 20 kings, and there were eight good kings. And we're looking at them. Now, we know we've studied the last king that we were studying was, was Jezebel and Ahab. You know, King, king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And so, you know, the, the reality, that, that's the epitome of a bad king. I mean, he was rotten, and we'll see that his kids are too. And they just, they just left the simplicity of following after God. And it's so easy for us to, as we, before we sit in judgment on anyone, before we go, you know, I'll never be like Ahab. I hope we never are like Ahab, but the potential is always there. The potential with a few decisions, we can become as rotten as the Ahab or Jezebel. Now, the end of the history of Israel will be the scattering by Assyria in 726 BC. And the end of Judah will be the Babylonian captivity that's mentioned in Ezra and Nehemiah. And so it just doesn't end well. God brings judgment upon the divided kingdom. And there's just no, as we're thinking of the, the, the northern tribe of Israel, or even in its totality, there is good news that we need to be reminded of, and that is God spoke of a future when Israel would not be divided anymore. And you can jot it down in Ezekiel chapter 37. There was a time where Israel would not be divided any longer. And on May 14, 1948, Israel was brought back into their land of which they're occupying to this day. 
And while the, the nation of Israel is primarily secular, and blindness, the Bible says, in part has come to them, there is a movement toward seeing Ezekiel 37 completely fulfilled and the goodness of God. And so God is healing the divide, and there's coming a day. In Romans, 8, or Romans 9, 10, and 11, the seven-year great tribulation period will be God's turning his attention toward the nation of Israel, and exciting times that will be. So with that all in mind, let's go into 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 1. Moab rebelled against Israel after the death of Ahab. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice of his upper room in Samaria and was injured. So he sent messengers and said to them, Go inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there's no god in Israel that you're going to inquire of Baalzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And so Elijah departed. Ahaziah, Ahab's son, his reign back, uh, happened back in 1 Kings 22, verse 51. That's where it started. He's not a good king. He follows in his dad's footsteps. And instead of going out to battle as Moab is now coming against them, he stays home to a place where he thinks is safe. And while he was safe in a sense from the war that was going on, he wasn't even safe in his own home because he falls through this lattice, uh, probably in the upper room. Maybe he was up on his rooftop and there was a little patio there and he falls and he's severely injured. The injury is so, so severe that he is wondering what's going to be the end. And instead of calling out to the one true God, he calls out to Beelzebub, the, the God of Ekron, this false God. Now, why did he do this? Why did he call out to a false God? Very simply, his mom and dad was named Jezebel and Ahab. And this is how they raised him. This is how they, this is what he, they did. They, he's following in their footsteps. And we've looked at that in depth previously. At least we, we commented on it, how important it is as parents that we make the right decisions. If you think your compromise won't affect your kids, it will affect your kids. It does affect our kids. It's never too late to get back right on track while you're still alive and you have, still have a voice in your kids' lives. This is the king of Israel, God's representative and ruler, and immediately he calls out to the false gods. And it's important for us to realize that there is only one true and living God, only one creator, one Lord and majesty of the universe. He is the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah. And even though you might live in a country that has turned their back on God, or you might be listening to me and you're involved in a so-called group of people that call themselves a church, but they've turned their back on the one true God, that does not change that there's one true God. That does not change that that one true God loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins, to forgive you and remove the shame and guilt from your life. That there's no other name under heaven by which man must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. No other name. No other way. One true God. This God possesses supreme knowledge. We call that omniscience. He possesses supreme power. We call that omnipotence. He is everywhere at one time. We call that omnipresent. And because he is the Lord God of the universe, he's able to help us walk 
day by day throughout life. If there's any lesson we learn in these first few verses, it's simply this. When you're in trouble, call upon the name of the Lord. His name is a strong tower, the Bible says. The righteous run into it and are safe. Calling out to false gods, as you see, is not going to help you. Calling out to little deities that you were taught religiously is not going to help you. Praying to someone to pray to God for you is not going to help you. Running to man is not going to help you. Praying to a little statue or offering food to a little statue is not going to help you. Calling out and relying upon false gods simply will not help. Hold your place here. Would you turn over to Psalm 115 with me? Psalm number 115. Notice with me in verse 1. You know, false gods are made and created by people. They have no life in them. They have no ability in them. A lot of times, false gods are created in the imagination of the person and may never translate to a little idol. They may never translate to a little statue. It's just that you're calling out to a God that you've made up in your own mind. And and that is, the Bible teaches that in Romans, that you want to be careful not to create God in your own image. Notice in Psalm 115, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy and because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, where now is their God? But our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they don't speak. Eyes, but they don't see. They have ears, they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they can't handle. Feet they have, but they can't walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them, notice, are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. That's a pretty powerful truth, isn't it? (laughs) Listen, those who make them are like them. And so is everyone who trusts in them. So Israel, verse 9, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ahaziah is doing that very thing. But I am encouraged by God's response to this because behind the scenes, God is enlisting Elijah to send a message to him. It's not a good message. It's too late for Ahaziah. But God's behind the scenes. He gets Elijah involved. And and while I don't like the answer, I'm sure Ahaziah doesn't like the answer. I mean, it's it's the answer from the Lord. It does encourage me and remind me, even as I was going through this, my notes again, I was just so encouraged that the things that are going on in my life right now, the things that are personally going on in Ed Taylor's life, God is at work behind the scenes. I don't know how, and I don't know what, and there are times when I don't think he's working behind the scenes, and I wonder what's happened. I'm confident that God's at work behind the scenes. This is yet another example that there are things in the unseen spiritual realm that we don't know anything about. And of course, I hope it's not like this. I mean, I want to walk with the Lord. I don't want to send Elijah to me and go, nope, you're dead. I don't want that. Although, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's not a bad deal. But what's true for me is true for you. God is at work behind the scenes. 
don't quite know what the answer is going to be. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what messenger he might be sending, or I don't know, but there's Elijah here, and Elijah is used by God, and he was told to go meet the messengers uh, and give them the direction. And, you know, in verse 4, you know, you're going to die. That was the answer. Verse 5, now when the messengers returned to him, he said to them, why have you come back? And so they said, well, a man came up to meet us and said to us, go return to the king who sent you and say to him, thus says the Lord, it is because there is, is it because there is no God in Israel that you're sending to inquire of Baalzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. And he said to them, what kind of man was it who came up to meet you and told you these words? And in verse 8, it's pretty funny. You got to appreciate the humor uh, in the Bible. But verse 8, they answered him, he was a hairy man and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And he said, it's Elijah the Tishbite. Now, some translations say that he was wearing uh, hairy clothing. So this, you know, in the New King James, maybe he was hairy or he was wearing hairy clothing. It reminds me immediately of a New Testament guy that was known as a kind of a wild guy. What's his name? John the Baptist. So there are these, there, there are these characteristics about us that, um, that will, like, share, when, you're, when they're shared, people know exactly who it is. And so who is this guy? Yeah, well, some hairy guy, man, with a belt, you know, and it's like, it's Elijah. It's Elijah, which would then what? Confirm to him that the message was true. It's Elijah. Elijah, not necessarily the most popular prophet. Ahab especially didn't like him. Ahab called him his enemy on more than one occasion. But guess who knows about Elijah? Ahab's son. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, parents, that's so important. Another aspect of those of you that have influence on children, no matter what their age are, or grandchildren, if you are having a problem with another person, if you are having a difficulty within your church family, if you are upset with your pastor or your spiritual overseer and leader, and you decide to talk negatively about them in front of your kids, and that just becomes the table conversation at dinner. I can't believe what so-and-so, and I hate our church, or I can't believe what's going on at work, and I hate my boss, and that just is the conversation of your home. Then you are stealing from your children the opportunity to love the people that you don't like right now. You are actually training your people to hate people just like you do. You're actually training your children. It doesn't matter how old they are. And, and I'm certain, as I share this, that there have some, been some among us that have failed in this area. And it's simply not a wise thing to do. What, what Ahaziah knows about Elijah, he got from his parents. And what we know of his parents' attitude toward Elijah was that they didn't like him. That, I mean, seriously, uh, Ahab called him an enemy and Jezebel wanted to kill him. I would say that's a pretty bad opinion of Elijah. And they would not, so, so it reminds me that the conversation that I have, and it's not just around our kids, although our kids are the ones who we spend the most time with, whoever's in our house, maybe a roommate, 
you know, perhaps it's a, you're in a, a home, especially a lot of young adults, you know, you're, you're in a home with roommates, and so all you do is just talk about all the bad things and all the bad people and all, and now you're soiling the hearts and the minds of the people that are in your house, the people you share a room with, the people you rent a room from. You know, and the Bible says not to let any corrupt communication proceed out of our mouths. Jesus said that we're going to be judged, which is a pretty heavy thing. I mean, this, this applies to all of us. There's not anyone that's innocent that we're going to be judged for every idle word that comes out of our mouths. I mean, that's a... And so we want to be careful to, to be, you know, if you really have a real issue, you, the person, instead of talking about them in front of your kids, talk about them to the Lord. Take them to God in prayer and begin to pray for them. Begin to pray about your attitude toward them. Begin to pray about the difficulty. Begin to pray about resolution and, and just begin. It's, I have found it in my life. I have found it in my life that when I'm praying for someone, it's very hard to stay mad at them when I'm praying for them. Because God doesn't allow, you know, you know we, we want to pray kind of like David does sometimes. Oh, break their teeth. Break their teeth. And what does God do in the new covenant? Remember the cross? Jesus was already broken for them. Well, Lord, just take them out. Remove them from my life. Well, you know what? Sin and shame has already been removed at the cross. And it's hard to pray that way. I mean, you might get one out, and then the Holy Spirit will go, really? How many teeth do you have? <laughs> and so Ahaziah, what he knows of Elijah, there is some sense of it where he knew who Elijah was. Uh, he knew by what he said and by what he looked. Um, but there's, there's no indication that there's no indication that there was any positive things said about him in his home. That is Pastor Ed Taylor, our Bible teacher on Abounding Grace, and he's just started a new series today in 2 Kings. Ed, the big takeaway from this first message in the series is, when we're in trouble, call on the Lord. Can you think of an example or two that our listeners might relate to? Isn't it true, Larry, that a lot of times we don't call on the Lord until it's the last resort? Very true. And we need to learn to habitually call out to the Lord. Recently, I received an email that was troubling. Uh, it was a difficult email to read. Uh, it was written in a very ugly way. Uh, it was mean-spirited. It was actually an email that was cruel. And uh, it, emails today are, are modern-day letters, you know? And I was re I, immediately the Holy Spirit reminded me, and this is just my personal uh, illustration, something that just happened to me a few weeks ago, uh, the Lord immediately reminded me of Hezekiah receiving a letter, a real threatening letter, and he took it and laid it before the Lord. And that's what I did. I, I took that email and I laid it before the Lord and cried out to him, and God answered me. And he gave me wisdom and gave me direction and gave me the comfort that I needed in order to remain in a, an abiding relationship. I wouldn't get into the flesh, that I wouldn't respond in a way that would dishonor him or not bring him glory. And I mean, we could go on and on. The Lord is so good to answer us when we call. And even when we sense or feel like we're not being answered, the Bible says, Jesus said, keep on knocking, keep on seeking, and keep on asking. God will answer. And that's just one small example of the many times the Lord answers me when I call. And you know, I'm nobody special. 
God will answer you when you call too, because we're brothers and sister in the Lord. Isn't that great to know the Lord hears our prayers when we call out to Him? Thanks, Ed. And friend, don't forget, you can access this and all of our studies in 2 Kings online at calvaryaurora.org. And you can subscribe to our free podcast on iTunes as well. We'd also suggest adding a couple of apps to your phone. Look for the Calvary Aurora app and the Grace FM Colorado app when you do a search for Calvary Aurora. Have you made a New Year's resolution? Many of us have, but perhaps you're frustrated as you're finding it hard to break free of a stubborn habit. We'd like to offer some help in the form of a book by Erwin Lutzer. It's called Getting to Know, spelled N-O. In it, he provides practical tools that will help you find the freedom you desperately want to have from those nasty, bad habits. We'll send you a copy when you support the ministry of Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more today. We can't thank you enough for your support, especially as we begin another year on this station. It's a step of faith, and we continually ask the Lord for His provision. We can be reached toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or turn to calvaryaurora.org. We'll have another look into 2 Kings next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Set aside another half hour to join us tomorrow. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado. 